If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. So how do you play PUBG on mobile anyway, Nick? Uh, I touch the phone screen and things happen. Well, that sounds like simplicity itself. <laughs> anyway, yes, we got a we got a sponsor for this month. Hope you all haven't left in droves because of that. <laughs> but yes, welcome to slightly something else. I'm Yahtzee Crowshaw. I'm Nick Calandra. And this week uh, we're going to talk about live service games, brought on specifically by a couple of things. Firstly, the announcement that the next Assassin's Creed game is going to be a live service. Who'd have thought Ubisoft would pump out a live service game and they seem like such a creatively fulfilled company mm. with the subtitle Assassin's Creed Infinity. Well, there the was me worried they weren't putting much thought into it. Yeah. I mean, that kind of gives the whole game away, doesn't it? That's like the single most overused subtitle for anything. Yeah, uh, well, now we have that and Halo Infinite on the way, so we have two Infinity games. Yeah. Is there is there another yeah. one that I'm not remembering? Is that not a concern, that there's a Halo Infinite coming out soon? Are they not concerned people will be confused? <laughs> I think Halo, Halo and Assassin's Creed are pretty different, but... Uh, well, you know yeah, more this, people uh, are. Uh, yeah, you know, if you want to... Uh, not scare people off of games as service titles. I don't know if inf- infinity is a good word or infinite or whatever you want to use. No, again, that's sort of giving it away. Yeah. This is just going to be Assassin's Creed now, apparently. Just yeah. a big old nebulous blob of Assassin's Creed forever. Uh, or, I, or, however, or however long it stays profitable. So you've you've played and reviewed all of them uh so i'm curious like i know and i know for a fact you don't really enjoy the the newest ones because they're so bloated and the stories aren't great well yes i mean there's it's just i think i think it's run out of ideas circa yeah. Assassin's creed 4 right yeah uh well marty's marty's working on his own video essay for this but i think him and i are kind of on the same page where assassin's creed infinity or whatever they're calling it uh it was kind of inevitable with the way the way they've been going with the series and honestly uh in my my opinion and i know i'm gonna get roasted for it i think this might be actually the right move for them and the only reason i say that is because when you play like valhalla or odyssey i mean those those games are just massive to the point that it's ridiculous because they want people to spend a month at a time in those games not a week or they want months not weeks, not days, months. And so they fill it up to the brim with all this extra content because they know people are just going to stick around and play it or hope hope that they do. In uh, dispute, and that's the idea. Right. I hate live service games because they don't treat the audience like human beings is my problem. Yeah, well, they treat them as a product. <laughs> to be right. Yeah, there's, there's no attempt to engage with the audience on a human level by giving them an interesting story that intrigues them or a challenge to match their skills. Mm. A live service game is basically 
One of those machines they put in rat cages where you press the button and pellets come out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so my opinion on in- Infinity is the live service model might actually help the Assassin's Creed series. And the reason I'm I believe I'm sure that, it will. I well, ain't disputing yeah. they're profitable. <laughs> yeah, but I think, we're, I think we might get a better game out of it. And, and here's why. Uh, with the service model, they can't, like, if they're going to be supporting the game for a really long time, it doesn't need to be a hundred hours story full of bloat. Like Valhalla's main story takes 60 hours just to get through on its own. Yeah. And it's boring as hell. Yeah. There's no character to it or anything. And that's not an issue that being a live service would help. No. Uh, but I think they want to, the way I see this working, the only way I see this working for a game like Assassin's Creed and assuming it's going to stay single player route is more condensed storylines and release you. Cause that's what they said. They want to, they want to release like different games within or different games and stories within that, that model. And so instead of getting a 60 hour story where it's just filler for 45 hours of it, if not more, I think you we might get, get more. Yeah. Like you just get 500 one hour filler <laughs> yeah. stories. I don't, I don't know okay. if it'll be like that, but I think it'll be, I think, I think it's just gonna be better for them that they can't spend three years designing this massive, massive game with so much bloat bullshit in it. And more more structured and condensed stories, uh, and released over a longer period of time. I think I think that might work for them in their favor. Well, again, I ain't disputing that it's it will work for them. Yeah, I ain't disputing it's going to make money for them. Yeah, weren't you telling me that Fallout seventy six is actually doing pretty well now? Yeah, uh, surprisingly so. Like the communities really rallied around that game. People are enjoying the stories. I. Uh, the Steel Rain storyline that just wrapped up apparently was pretty good. You know? Uh, or is it just people with lower standards who've hung around this long? Uh, well, I don't know. Like, Games of the Service is a weird model because, like, people... You, you say, like, people, uh, like, don't care about the stories and all that, but then you look at, like, something like Destiny and people have really stuck around for those characters and all that over years... Uh, especially like Forsaken, that was a big thing where one of the main characters was offed, and that was a big deal. Uh, so I think it's I think it's an interesting model that can keep people invested in, in a game's growing story and world over time. Well, as the, Solid Snake said to Otacon when Otacon was professing his love for Sniper Wolf, sounds like Stockholm syndrome to me. Could be, it could be. Uh, but I mean, you also have to remember, like there are people that just pick one game and stick with it for a really long time. Well, yes. I mean, for a lot of people, it was World of Warcraft the longest time. Yeah. So, I, well, then what's the difference between like World of Warcraft and and Destiny and all that stuff? Not a whole lot. And I was never a big fan of World of Warcraft either. Right. <sighs> for, cause so, what we learned from Fallout seventy six, if you just sit there in your bog like a big fat toad, <laughs> absorbing all the hits for long enough, then eventually, eventually people will get used good. to you being there, unless you're Anthem. Unless you're Anthem. <laughs> I, guess, I guess they were expecting too much of that. So, all right, removing the, the business aspect for for a second, then, like, what about games as a service does not entice you at all? Besides saying everything. Well, well, how do we remove the business aspect? That's the entire reason it exists. Right, but think, like, focusing specifically on, on the, the game aspect of it. Like, if you, let's, like, Persona, let's say, you know, you got... Yeah. The main story, and then over time, they added more stories within that that same game. Instead of releasing a yeah. sequel later on, what would be the big difference there? 
well, mainly <laughs> that it was an experience for me, the single player. It wasn't an experience for a community mm-hmm. that was specifically designed to sieve out the ones willing to pay a whole load of cash for extras. Right. It's not a system that's clearly designed like a big old net to catch the whales. I feel like when I play Persona, it's a game made for me, the individual person playing the game, not something that's just being splattered out in the hope of catching big spenders. Right, but what if... So what if Persona... Like, you get Personified, you get the whole game that you just played, you you enjoyed it so much, and instead of them releasing Persona 6 later on, they just call it Persona, and you get the next story within that same framework. Or indeed, they just call it Persona 5 Royal. And add an extra and then, story element yeah, to the really, game that was already there. Yeah, we release it for another sixty dollars. Well, it was on more platforms, the Royal. Yeah. Well, I guess I don't mind after the fact because um Yeah. Cause uh if you just give it some time then just then you could just buy the Royal without having bought the first one. Right. Admittedly, I did buy the first one, and then I bought Royal to play for like the playthrough. But this has been like a few years later, a few years down the line, mm-hmm. and the Royal does add quite a lot—new mini games and characters and all kinds of things. Yeah. So I don't know. Like when I when I think about games as a service model, like I go back to thinking about like we used to have the the EA Pass or whatever to play online games, which was stupid. You couldn't buy it. That, that was their way to attack the used game market so you couldn't buy a game like call of duty mm. or, or medal of honor or whatever because you had to have the online pass so you either you either buy it new or buy it used and then pay another ten dollars just to play it online uh one-time access fee that was stupid uh dlc expansions so like playing halo or anything you know you has, used to have to buy the map packs and that would uh, separate the communities from one another because not everybody would spend the fifteen dollars on a map pack, and so the game. Well, would that's die. only a problem. It's only a problem if it's an online game. Well, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about expanding the game with DLC, we used to do that with expansion packs, of course. Right. Back in the days of '90s shooters, and you know, I didn't object to that because it was just you know we had a nice meal and we had a nice pudding, and then we were like, "Ooh, I could go for seconds." Yeah. And they've gave us seconds. They didn't deliberately shave off the last three hours of the game to sell it separately later on mm-hmm. or deliberately withhold anything from the initial experience it yeah like it was it was for the people who wanted more please right so that that's why like assassin's creed infinity kind of interests me because like if it is is a games as a service model which is what is it going to be uh spoke there but in the, in that well, model well, like i would quest- i would almost appreciate a smaller game up front and i know that i know that's like bad business uh for me you know like you shouldn't want that but for me i'd rather get a more condensed version of assassin's creed pay that initial fee and then have them release stories over time that i can keep going back to well i've always treated video games as like a a storytelling medium and i'd really and as a story i'd really rather just have the beginning middle and end in one package right and then maybe some optional seconds if I really liked it. Yeah. And this and these this is why I don't like um in comic books either. <laughs> Cause it just goes on and on and on. And uh, there's no beginning, middle there's well, there's a beginning, mm-hmm. but there's no middle or end, just a endless parade of middling content. Mm-hmm. 
and without an end there's no there's no moment of reflection there's no satisfying feeling of uh, getting somewhere and looking back on how far we moved to get there it's just constantly in limbo yeah and so as a story writer and a story enjoyer that's why i don't like constant permanent live service as a model even though even though like stuff like fallout like these are self-contained stories on their own well like, you I'd... say that how do you know something that's established in one story isn't like uh retconned or removed from canon by a story several time hours down several months down the road like what superhero comics does constantly uh i, I guess you don't <laughs> i mean i mean i don't know like follow follow adding different quest lines and all that seems incentive enough for me you know it's a self-contained quest line and it's not right I, you I, just oh you just want the little rat cage machine you just <laughs> want to press the little button and eat your little pellets yeah that's what that's you you're a despite all your rage you are still just a rat in a cage my friend yeah i i don't know i have my i have my a lot of issues with like the live service model like i i hate that games like anthem i mean not anthem uh marvel's avengers is a great example of that where like they had a good single player campaign for the most part you know serviceable whatever and then you've they filled the game with like those extra side missions to bloat it out for the service model and mm. so like i think i think a lot of games try to be both and it's like if you're gonna do the service model then it needs to be the service model you know like uh i think maybe genshin impact is is doing a good job of that where you know you're they're releasing the world in chunks so you fully explore one part of the world do all the stories there later on you know they're gonna release the second part of the world which is a whole new location and everything new new story in there move on to the next oh, that's place the- that's the world of warcraft model isn't it yeah every expansion a new chunk of world yep so i don't i don't really have a problem with that that kind of model i i think uh you know if 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 we weren't in games media and i had to pick one game to play and my friends and i were really invested in that game having it just keep growing over time would be fun uh Uh. but it's when you get into the like shortchanging you for all the extra content and everything, which I, I I think has gotten better. Like, I don't think that's happening as much anymore. I think they've really found, you know, Hey, we'll release the expansions for free and support it through, through cosmetic microtransactions and stuff like that. Like I don't really, you don't really see loot boxes anymore ever since the you know what, battlefront two fiasco. You know what the real problem is? It's the games are obliged to make so much money these days. Yeah. Absolutely. It's always have always publishers demanding more and more so they can give more golden parachutes to their cunts at the top. Yeah. And Bobby Pockets. That's the kind that's the kind of obligation that creates this world where games are solely created to make money and they all lean towards the live service model because it's the most efficient way to make money. There was a time when people made games because they wanted to make them. They had visions. When the first like on massively online games came out, it was to explore the concept of what a game could be. The old Ultima yeah. Online. It wasn't about making money on a subscription model. It was about creating a open ended world where everyone was playing a different role. You could be a, like a, a warrior or an adventurer, or you could be a tradesman. It was about creating that world, about in realizing a vision. Yeah, that's uh, that's all. I, I don't feel that in live service as it is today. The, there's yeah, no vision behind it no i, I i'd agree with that uh i haven't really there's not like a live service game that i would say is like you know i don't know the game's version of like an emmy winner by any any stretch of the means they're definitely cash cow 
cash cow games. I hate uh, to say it, maybe Game Pass is the way forward. Maybe stripped of the obligation of individual games to make the most money within the game itself. And the money thing was just handled. Absolutely. And games could get back to focusing on just, you know, a meritocratic system where you just have to be good enough to draw the eyeballs. I don't really I don't really think games have left that though. I mean like the indie market is pushing out fantastic experience all the time that aren't service True, model But there's games. still uh, a vanishing middle class. Uh yeah. Well, no, I wouldn't even say that either. Like the double A, like we were talking about a couple of podcasts ago, the double A market's really made it a return with Focus Home and Nacon and all that kind of stuff. They're just not like the super highly polished experiences that people, you know, get super hyped about. So they just overlook it, I think, a lot of times. Well, I still remember a time when uh, there was a functional, you know, social mobility in games. Yeah. And the PS2 era. The indies and the mid-range and the AAAs all on the same shelf together. There's such a huge gulf now in video game like budgets. Yeah. Uh, you I just think, can't... The... Go ahead. Sorry, no, going after uh, you. <laughs> all I was going to say is like, you know how we, we've talked about the uh, video game market crashing. I feel like the service model is directly going to lead to that. I don't know about crashing. I think it's too widespread to crash like it did back in the uh, 80s. I think so. I, I feel like, well, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think... Uh, well, you know what caused the crash in the 80s was uh, customers losing interest. I don't think there's much worry about that. Yeah, no. Well, and that's the thing. Like, for as much as everybody rags on service games, like they they make a shit ton of money and they are played by millions of people. As I say, I don't dispute. It hooks yeah. them whales. They're <laughs> yep. specifically designed to hook them whales. Well, I play them, and I don't spend any extra money on them. <laughs> the well, most people most people don't. That's the that's the beauty of it, isn't it? Yeah, that's you true. only need You're to hook like whales. a few whales to get your money back because those people are insane. Yeah. Just perhaps maybe we should be treating the insane with, you know, therapy and drugs, not taking all their money away. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the only the only live service game I've really spent money on is Rainbow Six Siege because uh, I've, put, I've, I've put way too many hours into that game and like, I was like, well, I enjoy the game, so I'll, you know, buy the season pass to support it. But Well, that's fair enough. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's a... Like people get really invested in those projects, surprisingly, and I don't know the the communities that stick around games like Fallout seventy six is uh, end up being I don't I don't even know if you call them cash cow or whales or whatever, but it, I think there's I think there's something admirable about about a community getting invested in a game like that and and sticking around until it's good, even though that's really garbage business thing and you know like Fallout seventy. I, I don't know. Like Fallout 76 is one of those where I'm like, well, people were asking for, and maybe the internet wasn't, but people were asking for a multiplayer Fallout game for a long time. It was delivered. It was poor on release. Who was asking for a multiplayer Fallout game? Casual players of Fallout. Because <laughs> last I checked, the Fallout is a long-running and beloved series of single-player RPGs. But it can be both. Well, that's the problem we talked about, isn't it? Everything trying to be both. Yeah. Why can't the single players enjoy their single player fun and the multiplayers can all fuck off and play Team Fortress all day? Because <laughs> uh... when you try to merge the two, instead of like the Team Fortress model where different classes have different abilities and people have to work together mm-hmm. to compromise to like, uh, what's the word? 
to compensate for uh, the deficiencies. Like the sniper can't see behind him, so he has to rely on the other players watching out for spies. Instead, if you want to like have a game that bridges single-player and multiplayer so that you can play as single-player or as multiplayer, then every character class is just the same, basically. It's just equally as competent, with some slight variation in their specific specializations, but it's still basically good at everything. Well, that's I was probably, complaining about this in my Outriders review. That's probably why the survival, survival crafting genre is so positive. Uh so good for this kind of model because people just create their own stories within it so you can That's play it on your own and you can have your own little adventure or you can play with people and have an adventure with them yeah i think minecraft perfected it fucking oversaturated genre now yeah yeah every yeah every time i get a press release for a survival game i'm like eh, nope yeah <laughs> no I'm, interest i'm <laughs> I'm done trying out new survival games. Yeah, that was that's the one genre Unless... that got incredibly oversaturated to the point where because there's there's one uh, Dean Hall who did DayZ is about to release Icarus and I just couldn't be asked to be interested in it. Yeah, it's weird how many indie survival crafting games come out. You'd think that would be like a, a big job. They usually like go for like the realistic graphics and the explorative sandboxes and stuff. Mm-hmm. I guess there's someone putting out a lot of, you know, pre-made kits for that kind of thing. Well, it's also it's also just a really easy thing to release into early access and keep building on because people eat that up. Hmm. And people are mentioning Valheim. Yeah, Val- Valheim. I don't know if you've tried that, but I, I no, quite quite like that one. And I'm not big into <sighs> I'm not well. big into survival crafting. It's got like that. It's got that nice exploration Dark Souls element to it a little bit. Hmm. See, what I've learned about survival crafting is that there's not really much point trying to get invested in it over the course of a week, which is all I really have to play games. No, in. absolutely not. Yeah, those those other games are like the biggest time sinks for me. Well, anyway, and I can never get into it. Well, that's, that's when you're designing a game as a time sink rather than as an emotional experience. Maybe that's the problem. Yeah, because you know I've got time sink games. I could just. Uh, play Rogue Legacy or something with a podcast on or play Elite Dangerous but if I want to be really like drawn into something if I want to really engage and electrified that's not where I go no absolutely not I mean yeah I mean you you are the story guy like I, I love my stories but I also I also like online gaming more than you so that's probably why I'm into the service stuff a bit more I suppose in uh, like the model but uh, like it's already a model that's completely oversaturated because I never remember to go back. Like Destiny gets a new expansion, Division gets a new expansion, Fallout gets a new expansion. Uh, it's got to be a hard limit. There's got to be a hard limit on how many live services the world can support. I, I think like because you, you can't play them all. Yeah, every you can't every devote time to every live service game. No, and I think every publisher wants like their one. Assassin's Creed yeah. is going to be Ubisoft's. Well, I guess Ubisoft has Rainbow Six and For Honor as well that did really well. But uh, Assassin's really Creed have the real cash cow for them. Yeah, they don't have the profile that Assassin's Creed has. No, and then uh, Call of Duty's Activisions and EA is going to have Battlefield and uh, you know they're EA is another publisher where like they don't really have a well Apex Legends is their cash cow now. That game's mm. huge. Came out of nowhere, didn't it? Hundred million players. Fucking hell! <laughs> Battle call it Warzone has like a hundred million players as well. Uh, Man, PUBG the, really 
Well, I hate to say it because apparently we're sponsored by them at the moment. <laughs> yeah. But PUBG really fumbled that one, didn't they? Their entire market just stripped away by Fortnite and Apex Legends. That yeah, well, that was always going to happen. <laughs> they didn't have the. I mean, they well, were not necessarily. They, I guess, they just they just didn't have the uh, the resources. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, well, PUBG is like one of those actual ones that's doing something else with that money, though, and funding the Callisto Protocol, which is a single-player horror game from the former guys that made Dead Space. I hadn't heard of that. Yeah, it was announced My- at the Game Awards in December. It's a yeah, spiritual, pretty much a spiritual successor to it. Huh. Well, 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 well. How very nice. See, that job, see, that would be the nice thing if Good the job, games PUBG. and service Keep- stuff wouldn't fund the single-player stuff. Isn't PUBG great, everyone? Yeah. We love PUBG as a concept. <laughs> Should I put the ad back up? <laughs> yeah, I, that's Bobby Pockets. You know, Jack and I were roasting on that because it's like $150 million in stock options when all that money at Activision go to fund single-player games from their mm. games as a service titles because guess what? They published Sekiro not too long ago. Who would have thought they would have published Sekiro? Oh, well. Well, that's the ideal, isn't it? I mean, that's what, in an ideal world, that's what it's for the live service games, just uh, make the money so that they can fund the, they're the tent poles, aren't they? Yeah. That's like the definition of what a tent pole is supposed to be. You make these big cash cows so that that funds all the the riskier projects that you actually want to make from an artistic perspective. I guess the trouble is tent poles have sort of elbowed out everything else in some sectors. And then you look at Ubisoft, whose non-tentpole games all look like they want to be tentpole games. Yeah, unless you're Activision and put every single studio you own on Call of Duty Warzone. You can't just have tentpoles. I think me and Jack talked about this. Mm -hmm. If you just have a horizon covered in tentpoles, it looks like the fucking hill where Jesus was crucified. (laughs) Yeah. Just crossed crucifixes as far as the eye can see. I wish yeah. I knew the name of that place so I could sound cleverer. <laughs> so there's there's a name for it. Get was it Gethsemane? Was Gethsemane the place where all everyone was crucified? No idea. No Ge- idea. Gethsemane. Are you googling it? Uh, a garden at the foot of the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, where, according to the four Gospels of the New Testament, Jesus underwent the agony in the garden and was arrested the night before his crucifixion. Okay, so he wasn't crucified there. Gol- chat saying Golgotha? Golgotha? Was that where he was crucified? This took okay. A, this took so, a change of direction. <laughs> Well, I just want to be. I just like to learn these things. Yeah, yeah I, I do the New York Times crossword every night, and every time like uh, it asks me for some trivia I don't have, I look it up, and then I learn a little bit of trivia. Well, there you go. That's is how we know things. Yeah. Okay. So next time when I'm someone's bringing up, te- when I bring up ten poles and live services. I will say we don't want ten poles. Nothing but ten poles for the gaming horizons will resemble the hills of Golgotha. And everyone will admire my cleverness. You know what? You know what's funny though. I think I think with those tent poles, the companies end up coming full circle because EA is going back to making single player games again. Well, you know, time is a wheel. Yep. Everything's cyclical. Yep. And I'm sure it's only a matter of time before they start 
getting back into the live services and then it's all live services again before you know it uh yeah I, well i don't know like i feel like when you have your cash cow like Warzone bringing in the like just a metric fuck ton of money uh can't forget about the mobile market too where they're expanding to with the games as a service titles like call of duty's on mobile PUBG's on mobile. oh the mobile market do you have any recommendations for games to play on mobile by the way <laughs> asking for real or you want to you want a recommendation for PUBG mobile <laughs> yes that was the joke i was yep. getting out there <laughs> yep uh man the the more i hear about how much games are just making on mobile like it's not even a market you think about in our space really and we probably should be because <laughs> it's insane they had a, they had you know, money about, in there. think about what i'm saying even in like the ideal scenario i'm talking about where you have the live service making the money to fund like the small rescue projects there's still something very callous about the whole concept of the live service because mm-hmm. it's still just there to hook in the whales and yeah. that's just, you know, it's a little bit evil, isn't it? Like, preying upon people, even if they have got all the money in the world. Well, I guess when you when you, when you you talk about that, like, what are you referring to? I, I know specifically, I'm just as like, for a more specific example of a game that really does it, because, like, Genshin Impact has its gotcha model, which obviously isn't great, uh, and that's making yeah. them a, a metric fuck ton of money. Uh, well, War Zones, War Zones, really yeah. limited to cosmetics and the battle pass. And the battle pass, you know exactly what oh. you're getting from it. Oh, cosmetics, cosmetics. Yep. It's not enough that they hook us all up to milking machines to take away our life and money. <laughs> but they try to soften the blow by saying, "Here's some nice, colorful stickers you could use to customize your milking machines." Then you could all compare your milking machines and argue over whose milking machine is the prettiest. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just can't. I can't justify ever spending money on digital, a digital art like that. I just can't. I mean, I always, when I think of cosmetics, when I think of cosmetics, I always look at the nether realm fighters and what they're doing these days with injustice two. Yeah. And it's not just the skins. Cause if it's just like one skin that gives your character a completely different appearance, that gives like a fun appearance, like a costume, mm-hmm. like it turns um, Johnny Cage into, um, the clown from it i don't know because you want to play as the clown from it for whatever reason that's fun you might want to do that but then you have cosmetics where you just change like one tiny aspect of their outfit like a belt buckle or a shoulder pad and give it a different texture and there's a very variety of different colors that's what i don't get because when you embrace that the characters all end up looking like a complete visual mess just covered in mismatched trinkets people like their customization they like and to they express have no themselves. Silu- and it's detrimental to the visual design because there's no silhouette. I mean, Doesn't I look matter, at a silhouette in Injustice 2. <laughs> I can't fucking tell Nightwolf from Scorpion. It's just yeah. a dude and there's a load of shit clinging to him. So is there is there any game, games of service that you would say is maybe doing it right? Where it doesn't feel super predatory, you pay for what you get, and it's an evolving game. Well, it's always predatory, but well, yeah, ooh. everything's predatory. <laughs> Pre-ordering is well, predatory. Not, every, every, pretty much everything in the mark, game market is predatory in some way. Well, nothing springs to mind. I'm sure if the chat su- suggests something that I've praised in the past, I'm sure I've, at some point, yeah, I've like, referred to one live service game as not quite as terrible as the others. Yeah, I, and, I, and the troubling probably... thing about. You know the troubling thing, troubling thing about um, 
uh, an Assassin's Creed live service is that they might uh, go back to trying to add multiplayer like they did with Assassin's Creed uh, Unity. Unity. Yep. And I really thought that was a misstep because it's, it's ostensibly a game about sneaky assassinations. Yeah. Not anymore. Might well, they might as well just drop Assassin's Creed from all of it. It's just a historical RPG at this point. Well, I guess. But, you know, part of the fun of the gameplay is like stealthing up to... Isolating a target and stealthing up to them and getting out of there. But there's a reason why historically the assassins didn't like move in groups of four. They there was like they had one assassin. They'd run out of the crowd. They'd stab a dude, and then if that if the assassin escaped, then bonus. But they didn't expect to. Mm-hmm. And standing like having three other dudes will just it just feels like everyone will be tripping over each other. Yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> when you can bring more people into a game and keep them engaged, realism doesn't really matter anymore, right? Well, it's not a, it's not really a realism thing. It's about having getting fun out of like targeted assassinations. I mean, who's how do you agree on who gets to do this final stab? Well, Everyone's going to be rushing to try to get the final stab before anyone else can. I hate to break it to you, the origins Valhalla and Odyssey have sold much better than the original Assassin's Creed games, so. I don't think people care so much about the stealth anymore. Besides, okay, online people like us. Fine, nobody cares but me. I think I think that's like the the thing with the the games of service stuff is just it's it's such a it's targeting the absolute casual market, and they just want they want as much content as possible for the money. And Fucking casuals. And it and it just it's a game to they escape to and and they do their daily quests and. They're they're grinding and they're cool loot and they're cosmetics and, and that's all it needs to be. Get out of my bold new realm of interactive <laughs> narrative, you fucking casuals. Go back to your fucking <laughs> hidden object games that housewives like. Yeah, I think, now we do some super chats. I think we can. I think, that, oh, I think the casual man. market wrapped up that whole discussion. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's your there's your black hole. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Just bringing up the soup, going to the YouTube studio page, bringing up the monetization menu, getting out the supers. Yeah, I think they were... All right, get your supers in now, everyone. This is the bit where we read them out. And thank you to everyone for giving supers. It's how we support the site, amongst other things. It's not just PUBG sponsorships, still. (laughs) Not yet. Uh, all right. Well, we, I think there's a couple that I didn't see in there. So if you're reloading it now, they're just showing up. Uh, Sakurai25, donated $5, says, just showing my support. We'll listen to the non-live show on my way home from work and can't wait for your next book, Yahtzee. Yep, going into the recording studio uh, next week. Start recording that, the next audio book. So look forward to that. I need to, uh, I need to Jude gives books. five euros to say, what do you think about games like Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines where you can immerse yourself in a static world that feels more alive than a life service? Well, that's a weird example. A bit hard to immerse yourself in Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines because it's buggier than a big bug. <laughs> Bloodlines 2 just got shipped off to another developer. Oh, Christ, that game's in hell. Oh, yeah, did you did, did you even hear about that news? It's at the lowest <laughs> level of development hell, isn't it? Yeah, remember we saw it at E3? And I, yeah, I remember what we saw in E3. I've heard since then that's basically all been binned. Yeah, they well, they took off the uh, the developer of it, 
and are giving it to somebody new, but they haven't announced who it was yet. All I remember is I fell asleep <laughs> during that demo. That game looks so boring. Well, it was a demo. I could tell they hadn't put everything in the world yet. <laughs> there wasn't anything in the world yet. Well, they had some mechanics down. They were going yeah. for a dishonesty sort of thing. And, you know, it was just a matter of finishing it, I suppose. Yep. But perhaps they never will. Uh, a scavenger gives $10 to say, I rag on Game Informer for being a hype machine that refuses to take a stand on gaming issues. Sorry, but doing top 10 games of service each year feels like giving extra gob jobs to the industry. Yeah, that's the really mystifying part. It's, doesn't the Game Awards have one now? An award for best live service game? Yep. It's like rich cunts giving prizes to rich cunts for being the evilest rich cunts in the room. It's just weird that they're so brazen with it, I suppose. It's yeah. like when Republicans say, well, obviously we need to um, corrupt the voting laws because otherwise no one will vote for us anymore. <laughs> and I'm like, it's weird that you're just coming out and saying it now. Yeah, well, the world is weird these days. Tell me about it. And another $5 from Scavenger, who says, doesn't online-only game service rely too much on the infrastructure being stable? One solar flare or telecom crash and it falls apart. Well, this is Ross Scott's point, isn't it? If you have a game that demands an online connection, like most live service games do, and in fact, I think that's the definition of a live service game, mm -hmm. then you know at some point it's going to go down. At some point it will no longer be supported. And what happens then? It's kind of funny. Somebody brought up before the stream started, like the... Remember when Xbox One was revealed that it was going to be an online-only console? And oh yeah, I remember the whole stink that. about that. But I feel like these days, like we're already there with that. Like when are you, when are you not? When is your stuff not connected to the internet anymore? Yeah, basically. I mean, everyone complained when Diablo Three was online only as well. Yep. And like and then, people, people still complain about that. I'm just trying to think, like, when do I ever play a game offline? And it's only if I'm reviewing something that you're not supposed to see yet. <laughs> That's it. People, people put up a stink. And uh, they did it anyway, and then people put up less of a stink next time, <laughs> and now it's just standard. Yep, they just didn't <laughs> they just didn't announce it in a big fashion. It was like, hey, they were doing this. Deal with it. Uh, well, I suppose since internet is basically officially declared something everyone needs in order to live these days. It's kind of creepy, isn't it? <laughs> at least in the first world. Yeah. Essential utility. I Tyler Roman gave us four ninety nine US dollars to say Destiny fan here. My commiserations. Dislike the service model due to FOMO, almost forcing you to play. Taking a break from a game can improve your view of it. I think taking a break from like a live service style game basically guarantees you'll never go back to it. Uh, I haven't. I haven't really found that to be true. Like I, I definitely agree with the the FOMO aspect of it. Uh, I tell you, have I told you before that I used to play Team Fortress Two? Yeah. And I stopped around the time of the first like character update because it was the medic update and I usually played medic and suddenly everyone was playing medic so it wasn't as fun. Mm -hmm. And then I just never went back because they just kept adding character updates and adding more and more different features and things to the game and after a while it was just too overwhelming to catch up on. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of like a service game that I've played where I've... I mean, Destiny, I definitely feel that in where like I go in and there's so much extra new stuff that I don't even know where to start. Uh like fallout I, I just like we're we're looking at giving fallout 76 a second shot and seeing you know just how it's shaping up for you know uh 
media purposes, but like I, I started up last night, like it eases you into it pretty nicely actually, like where you just get your quest lines and you, and you kind of do like the main story and then you can kind of go off and do other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like, yeah, rainbow six siege. I, people are mentioning, I play that a lot. That, that one, like there's not really a fear of missing out or uh, anything like that because they're just changing the meta and adding new maps in, uh, in which could be any game with a DLC model like that, where you have to relearn the stuff like that. So I, I don't know. It, it, the, the FOMO, the FOMO aspect is definitely like, that predatory part though that you you talk about where like you know you have to take part and get these skins right now or they're never coming back kind of yeah thing. Uh, fortnite does that all you. the time yeah especially, fortnite that's especially insidious because it's aimed squarely at the kids these days yeah the um uh, the one the one thing that uh some of the models have been doing though that's interesting with the battle pass is actually you buy it once and then as you play, you can earn enough currency within the game that you don't have to buy it again with real money. You just use the in-game currency. I know Warzone does that. Uh, Rogue Company, I'm pretty sure, does that. And I know Apex yeah. Legends does that. If you play it enough, then you can just you can keep the battle pass as long as you're continuing to yeah. play, which is insidious on its own, but it's also yeah, about even pushing better. you to spend more money. <laughs> even better. Pay us now or play it enough for the Stockholm Syndrome to yeah. kick in. Because it takes like... I, I think the last thing I heard about Apex, like it could take, unless you're like exceptionally good at the game, like hundred hours to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Gavinger again, blimey, he's starved of attention. Gives five US dollars <laughs> to say, are there genres better suited to a live service? I would worlds with RPG origins, D and D like or Shadowrun like, would do better than Doom or Resident Evil. Well. I think something like Doom Eternal, I mm. don't think you could really do in the live service model because the live service model hinges on nickels and dimes and little fiddly details. Mm-hmm. Like unlock this thing that gives you an extra 0.5% in the damage, blah blah And that's not what the audience of something like Doom Eternal wants. They mm. want to get in and shoot this crap out of things and not have to worry about that sort of shit. Yeah, um... Like I think expand like again Assassin's Creed Infinity I I think it's suited for that model where I mean I I would have to imagine they're looking at Genshin Impact as like a model for let's release you know like basically I mean Valhalla itself is almost a service model right you have you have England and then they just released the DLC for Ireland and there's mm-hmm. another expansion with Paris coming down the line so like they're already tell- testing that I tell you what it is the live service model doesn't suit skill based gameplay no. Uh, you just have to get better at it. I think live service model is about churning the same handle until you can build your stats up, but it's so that you can just effortlessly swap through everything. See, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that because like Rainbow Six Siege is a skill based game, and, it, and the service model works fine for it. You just have to reteach uh, the meta. Uh, <laughs> it's a shooter, right? Point the mouse, press the button. Uh, well, it's like playing it's, Secret of Monkey Island. No, it's more of, more of like really learning the maps is the challenge of that game learning the maps and yeah. using the right abilities like again i think i think if you tried siege you might actually be interested in it because you liked uh uh team fortress 2 with having a specific mm. class to play and like siege has that same thing ah but does it have funny cartoon australians no you can play as well a then Tomb i don't Raider care skin. <laughs> that doesn't count <laughs> uh da, 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 da. 
Dan gave us five US dollars to say PS4 exclusives had a bunch of great games with a clear non-live service vision. Don't think he liked God of War, but I finally played it and loved it. Well, of course, exclusives is the other way of making money, I suppose, in mm. a s- slightly non-consumer friendly kind of way. Not as bad as live service, I suppose. But yeah, most most Sony exclusives, now you mention it, are like the single player focused experience. They don't have any service game yet, but that's they've been making partnerships to get into that, so that's coming. Hmm. Hmm. I, I can I can sense the excitement from you. Hmm. <laughs> All the games gives a four ninety nine US to say live service games seem to mostly come from AAA publishers. Is that partly because they don't have single authors because everything is by committees? It's because they need a lot of money. Well, yeah, that's what I touched upon earlier. The live service games come from wanting to make the most money, and a lot of that comes from needing to pay the salaries of a big team. Mm-hmm. So there's generally not like one uh, response person with any responsibility. It's all very divided responsibilities, so all you can blame is the corporation. The uh, interview I really want to do is with a live service team who has spent four or five years on a single game like Rainbow Six Siege. And I want to know how burnt out they are. Yeah, I'll probably have the words "send help" tattooed onto their eyelids. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. I wonder what the turnover rate is on a service game like that. Because, like, even yeah. the, even yeah, well, you read the reports on Infinity, and already like people were leaving because they just didn't want to work on something like that. It's real ship of Theseus shit, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is it the same game if a completely different team is working on it by the end? Uh well, it's, they build the, the base structure of the model and people just fill it up with content. Yeah, but uh, where's the guiding intelligence behind it all? <laughs> Who's to stop them just giving every every character Batman capes? Yeah. Because, which true. would be completely contrary to the original designer's artistic vision. You got Arkham Knights and uh, Suicide Squad coming too, but I don't think either of those are service titles, so good. Is Is that... Um, is it uh, Gotham Knights the, Gotham where Knights, you play yeah. as Nightwing and, is that still happening yeah I just feel like I haven't year. yeah I haven't heard anything since that yeah, pre-rendered next, trailer they put out which good, tells good us luck. nothing of course good luck next year because next year's everything's getting delayed to 2022 so you were <laughs> I feel bad for you <laughs> yeah you keep saying I'm going to have a busy year because Ghostwire Tokyo just got delayed to 2022 so well Better to have too much work than not enough, I That's suppose. True. Although you have to review all the anime stuff all the time. I don't mind that. <laughs> I like the juicy titties. <laughs> all right, well, that works. Uh, Andrew Hickenbottom. Uh, yes, Andrew Hickenbottom asks thoughts on. Uh, gives five British pounds, sorry. To say thoughts on Star Citizen's funding model. All the money raised from it goes straight into the game. The more popular it is, the better it will become. Well, it's certainly a money spinner, isn't it? Give us money and then never produce a game. Quite mystifying, really. So, interestingly, one of my closest friends recently bought into Star Citizen as when playing it and is just singing its praises. Uh, it's it's almost like a cult at this point. People well, join it and then they get, undergo weird mental transformations. No, nah, he he's been playing it and he says there's actually a lot to do. Surprisingly, uh, and uh, uh, you know all the a lot of the functionalities in there and like there's stuff to do. He's already spent like 200 okay. hours and whatever's available. 
somehow. Okay, was it worth however much money has been sunk into it? I, I doubt I that it is. <laughs> I guess we'll see it 2020, 2030 at some point whenever it arrives. Yeah. I will play it when it comes off early access. I do I do think, like, so one of the model in that game, though, is, is like, really skeevy, though, because it's one of those things where you buy a ship, you pay real money for the ship, and then you have to pay for insurance on that ship. So if you lose it, and Eve uses this model too, uh, where you you spend all that money on your ship, and then if you lose your ship after like six months when your insurance runs out, you lose the ship and have to buy a new one, or you keep buying the insurance to protect it. Mm. And it's part of the player-run economy model. Yeah. That one's interesting. I feel like a lot of, not a lot of people like look into that. But... It's sort of been trundling along in its own niche for the longest time. Yeah. A uh, niche full of weirdos and dads. Well, and that's that's like one of those games where I guess if you have the money and that's what you want to spend your money on, more the power to you. It's, it's, it's kind of like a lot I'd of call, the service stuff. I'd call it a cult game. <laughs> like those people who get really evangelical about Dwarf Fortress for whatever reason. Uh, Andrew Higginbottom says that's not how it works. Okay. I don't know. I thought that's what he just told me. My friend told me you need to buy insurance for your ship to keep it alive. Corey Long gives five US dollars to say my game is my game is fifteen isolated narratives instead of focusing on a primary one. How big of a mistake am I about to make? Uh, a very big one. You seem to be aware of that. So why are you doing that? Maybe don't do that. Maybe focus on one really good narrative. What was the other? What was the other indie game that just Children of Morta? I think did that. I haven't played that. Case or Jesse reviewed it. How do, how do you mean fifteen isolated narratives, Corey Long? How's that work? Is it like a? Is it like a thing where every choice branches the path off, or are you like picking from one of fifteen characters at the start? Feels like there are. You've, you, there are easier ways you could be doing this however you're doing it I guess I need more information hmm. anyway Joshua S gives 10 US dollars to say I think a live service game can work if they have a good core gameplay loop and you can earn things without paying I personally enjoy World of Warships as there is plenty to earn without paying I think alright thanks Thanks for your view Joshua S a lot, of, a, a, lot of games, a lot of games have moved in that direction after all the hoopla about loot boxes and everything like well, you battle, know what? battle it's, passes it's pretty good, much do all that now it's good pr isn't it oh yeah saying you don't have to pay money for a game everything yeah. in our game you could get just by working hard and you too could escape from the coal mine if you just do a very good job mining coal do you just do you so what if what if the game was like literally <laughs> like wow or it's just a subscription model instead of the battle pass well at least you know how much you're spending every month with the, battle, with the battle pass you do i mean it's basically a subscription where you get items from it oh well if that's your bag <laughs> i don't i just i just think the whole conversation around games of service is kind of interesting we've had wow for so long and uh guild wars and all that stuff i don't, I don't know if guild wars has a subscription model anymore but uh like i just i just the the service model to me it just seems like a lesser of two evils when looking back like I talked about earlier at the online passes and well I guess the problem is like with all subscription models you have to uh, uh, 
make sure you're getting you the use out of it. Yeah, right. And maybe you wouldn't like feel the pressure to get the use out of it if you weren't subscribing to it every month. Yeah, at least like with the subscription model, you just pay for it and you forget it. At least with the battle pass, like you have a visual reminder of something to work towards. Well, that's the whole business model for a lot of subscription models, isn't it? They just yeah. rely on a lot of people forgetting that they're subscribed. <coughs> Not us. Yeah. <laughs> Well, how could you forget you're subscribed to the Escapist? We'd like to put all the names at the end of every video. That's true. Uh, Clayton. Where were we? Clayton McManus, thank you. Seven Canadian dollars to say, what's the new monetization model you think we will see after live service points for creativity? Well, if we knew what the next big thing was going to be, we'd all be rich, right? Yeah. Yep. Our, uh, uh, our 4X naval game will be the next big thing. Maybe there'll be a merger between a video game company and OnlyFans so people could sell each other nudes as an uh, incentive to continue playing the live service. Maybe if you shoot someone, you get to see their tits. Yeah, well, would Roblox might already be that. I didn't realize there was such a tit uh, inventory in yeah. Roblox. Oh, well, I don't know what's in Roblox, but <laughs> it's a it's a service within a service almost right remember that there was a time when you could order like domino's pizza through world of warcraft this is just aggregate it all make cyberspace at last so we could all like uh, read today's news while hanging out in for honor or whatever on a virtual newsstand betcha betcha star citizen tries to do that hmm go on amazon and star citizen <laughs> Yeah, let's go on like go to the, like the Amazon fleet. They go inside a, one of the Amazon battleships and, and they look get over a the commission. Warehouse. They get a commission every time you buy something in the game from Amazon. Oh god, oh god! And then Amazon fucking awful. takes over the universe. It becomes a plot. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> it's just just kidding. You you just created your own simulation. Oh dear. <laughs> worlds within worlds. Zion of Calhoun gives 10 British pounds to say Shores of Hazeron did the live service thing, but it was free, then they shut it down, and now they're making a single offline player version of it because the live service version wasn't profitable. You know what I get? What I hear a lot in this sort of argument is that people are trying to defend the one thing they think is fine, which is usually the one thing they got addicted to. Oh, it's okay, this one thing is fine. It supplies me with the pellets that I want from my <laughs> press the button and the food comes out machine. And because they're feeding me, they're all right. Uh, yeah. Look well, past it, people. He doesn't really love you. You bring up the, the whales argument and I'm like, well, I'm part of the problem because I play Rainbow Six Siege for, mostly for free and other people are funding my enjoyment. <laughs> A very small group of people are probably funding my enjoyment. Yeah. But you, you don't, that's the beauty of whales. You don't need very many. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Khalil Henoud gives 10 Canadian dollars to say, just showing support. Smiley face. Thank you very much, Khalil Henoud. Lucy Gern gives 5 US dollars to say, is Rockstar a good example of live service games separating their elements from story mode? Well, they might be if the fact that GTA Online has done so well is has meant that Rockstar very infrequently puts out games now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you have GTA Five and really GTA Online and Red Dead Online are their own things. 
completely separate. Yeah, I mean, there was a time when they were putting out like a game a year, wasn't it? And then like, I remember seeing a chart and then GTA Online comes out and then dead silence for years until Red Dead Redemption 2. Well, yeah, unless you want another Midnight Club or Rockstar Tennis, because I forgot that was a thing they made. Just another GTA would be nice. Another GTA like GTA 4 with an in, with interesting character and stories yeah, and things. I don't, I don't. And on the side of it, a nice wacky sandbox to have free-roaming fun in. The, the recent thing was GTA 6 has gone to a modern version of Vice City and it won't be out oh, for yeah. like 2024, yeah. 2025. Oh, man. Oh, don't hold your breath then. <laughs> yep. I would like to um, see them do something new and unique. Bell Gerum gives US dollars 10 to say, what would you think if Nintendo made a live service Mario game? They arguably have. What would that be? Well, I'm thinking of uh, Super Mario Run on mobile, but now I'm thinking about it, that wasn't really live service. I think I was just pay 10 bucks and get the whole thing. I bet Splatoon 3 will be their first live service game. Oh, man. Well, I'm sure what if they do that sort of thing, the Nintendo fans will be quick to argue that it's okay when they do it. Yeah, you want to buy that new Switch with the OLED screen and an Ethernet um, jack that didn't somehow didn't come with the original Switch? Can't say I'm that bothered. <laughs> but I might get it if the fucking control sticks don't drift so much. Uh, I got through like three uh, pro controllers. Niels Ooms asks, could you consider Mario Maker as a live service? Not really. Oh, there's a thought. Well, it's... Uh, there's no, there's yeah, no monetary mm. model behind it. You buy it and you get it. Yeah, yeah, there's that. It's it's more a creativity toy. It's more Minecraft, I suppose. Creativity toy that uh, people get weirdly into. Yeah. I'm still convinced at some point 3D Mario Maker is going to be a thing. This was a prediction me and Jack had on a podcast a while back. They're gonna, they're, they might do like a Switch Plus, and mm. that which was one of our like predictions, which has proved true. And at some point, they're gonna do Mario Maker 3D, and it's gonna be like Minecraft with like block-based design. Hmm. Mark my words, and it'll be like Mario 64-style platforming. Because they they're not gonna they don't put out two D like official two D Mario games anymore because Mario Maker's two D has demystified it. So right. Mario Maker three is the only place to go. You think they'd give people that much control over three D Mario's when they're making their well, own games and want people to buy those? Well, they so they could just recreate it. <laughs> well, you can't make Mario Odyssey in a block based uh, yeah, but in a three D in a three D creation utility, I think Nintendo wants too much has too much control over their own IP to allow that to happen. Uh, well, it will be a very simplified three D creation thing. Okay, is my is my imagining? As I say, block based Minecraft like. Yeah, we can. So you still have a lot of creativity with it. You have a lot of fun with it. You could recreate those uh, weird uh, no flood levels in Mario Sunshine, mm-hmm. but not much beyond that. I mean, the Mario model for, like, Mario Odyssey has, like, leaned in more of the sort of open-world direction. I think that's going to be the next innovation for the mainline Marios. It's going to be, they're going to Breath of the Wild it. Massive open-world Mario. Yeah. Prediction number three. No. Anyway, 
Red Rider gives five British pounds to say, for live services, the design-then-publish model is replaced by weekly patches because constant user experience monitoring bleeds into game design. Didn't really have a question there. I think he was just correcting us on something. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Kuntz, whose name is Kuntz, gives US dollars four ninety nine to say, hi guys, not much to add since I joined late but still wanted to support. Smiley face. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Dylan Kuntz. And uh, this will be the last one, I think. So uh, no more Super Chats after this. But uh, Scavenger gives 10 US dollars to say, last one, promise. The games as service is strange with the glut of games coming out all the time. If it was the 80s or 90s when your parents bought one game every year, that would be one thing. Well, it's true. As I say, surely the economy can only support a hard limit of uh, live service games. You say that, but I mean, Warzone, Apex, both have 100 million players. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's 200. Fortnite has, I think, double that. Well, I guess uh, the difference is there's a much bigger player base. Yeah. Much more people play games than they did in the 80s and 90s. It was I much mean, more niche back then. Just just think if like The Sims goes free to play as a service model in the next Sims game, which I'm sure they're going to do that. Uh, it doesn't. Sims doesn't make sense to have a premium model anymore. That's gonna be yeah. I think Sims that'll is... be. I think that'll be one of the biggest games as a service games ever released. <laughs> oh yeah, Sims is crazy popular. Or if you know, uh, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. Like you know, that's what I'm saying. Like Nintendo wants so much creative control over their stuff. Like Animal Crossing as a games as a service would have been massive. Mm. Weirdly, yeah, yeah. It's all those really casual games that don't take a lot. No, very little barrier to entry to get into. They're they're growing. Like I don't know. I don't know how. Like Fallout seventy six, I think is more involved than most of them. Even like Genshin Impact too has a this, this insane amount of players. Uh, actually, here's here's one that'll surprise you. That game company, the the Sky game that I I shared with you. Oh, the one on Switch. Yeah, the one uh, by the guys who made Journey. Yep, and it started on mobile. Hundred million players. Really. Yeah, because I started playing it and I got bored very, very quickly. Yeah, hundred million downloads on across mobile and Switch so far. That's well, bloody hell! Yeah, had no idea. <laughs> Marty's for those of you interested in that. Marty's working on an essay for that for next week. But yeah, apparently. Well, as I keep as I keep saying, I don't dispute the effectiveness of live yeah. service as a model. It certainly brings the money in. Certainly brings the people in. I'm just saying maybe we could aspire. F- to be better people. Yeah. Uh, Sean Shanker reminded me that 100 million players doesn't mean 100 million separate people playing them. Uh, yes, I know. <laughs> right. But 100 million people still downloading and interacting with that is a fuck ton of people. And also the, yeah. the most played games in the world. Well, now that we've depressed ourselves, <laughs> perhaps it's time to wrap up this podcast. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I'm, I'm curious where games as a service will be in another five years from now maybe we'll all be enslaved by the borg by then bobby pockets will own all of us by then well you know there are worse things than being enslaved by the borg <laughs> adding your consciousness to a galaxy-wide super brain perhaps there might be something very enlightening about that experience mm. well anyway on that note <laughs> 
I've been Yahtzee Crowshaw. I've been Nick Landra. And this was slightly. Oh. And this was slightly something else. Thanks for listening, stroke watching. Thanks for all the super chats. It's what keeps us going. And why not give PUBG Online a go? Yes, PUBG Mobile. Our sponsor for the next month, so you'll see it in PostZP tomorrow and the Editor's Hour again on Monday, and then it's like something else after that. We are whores. We are whores. <laughs> this is my dance that I do because I'm a whore. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.